Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So Farscape. Oh, I missed an opportunity to do a funeral-filled Farscape, oh. because it is with the funeral again. It is, I guess, yes. Uh, join us for episode 322, Dog with Two Bones, part one. Oh, where did you see that? On the air, air table. Ah, uh, yes, okay. No, that's true. Like, when it was originally aired, it was uh, it was listed as just Dog with Two Bones. Right. Uh, and then later, during the, the, the DVDs, was described as Dog with Two Bones, part one. To your credit, you did not, like, I only got the part one after I looked at our date sheet, and I did not get any of that information until after. I mean, it's the end yeah, of the season. It's like, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do a non-cliffhanger episode, so. Oh, I've been thinking whether to save this for the season wrap-up, but I think it's 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 valid here. You had asked me previously mm-hmm. whether they already knew that they were getting picked up for a fourth season. Right, yes. Which, on the one hand, during various uh, chats with, with fans, Ricky Manning, Frunium, was particularly evasive about. Like, they kept asking, like, mm-hmm. are we going to see more of that next season? Oh, what season? What season of what show? Oh. Yeah. Because he's an absolute imp. On- <laughs> <laughs> but before this episode already aired... Announcements had already been made that Farscape had been renewed for a fourth and fifth season. Oh, okay. Well, there you go then. So that's what the the, the sort of expectation was. And apparently, like, there are deleted scenes on the DVD from this episode that that might as well have been clips from the next episode. Like, there was already a very clear idea of how season four was going to start. How they're going to take it, yes. I mean, David Kemper, even in, in an interview in the Visual Companion Guide, mentioned, like... The farther you get in the series, the the more vision you need to have of where it's going. So we've been renewed for a fourth sense, and fifth yeah. season. He already knew at that point how season four was going to end and season five would begin. And he was still seeing it at the time as like a six-season story, but we'll see about... Six you know, seasons in a movie. Well, <laughs> if only. <laughs> so, yeah, there was the the full confidence that this was closing a season and heading into the next one and just... We just have to wait. So it was just being a bit of a tease for the uh, little uh, bit for the fans. Yes. <laughs> right. So uh, our listeners have uh, gifted us with a whole bunch of synopsises for this oh, episode. Oh yeah, they're good. So let's have a look. Someone gets distracted by their fantasies. An old woman appears aboard the ship, and everyone questions who she is. She sneezes <laughs> magical fairy dust and is seemingly great at cooking. Seemingly. In the meantime, there is a game of bumper ships occurring. Thank you, Going Metal Seven Ninety Nine. The crew make plans to go their separate ways, but before they can, they must attend a funeral where an unwanted guest is making a scene. Meanwhile, John's imagination runs wild. Hey, is the old woman with you? Thank you, Marky C. A wedding and a funeral, but which one is real? Crichton struggles to reconcile two dreams, and a mysterious old woman offers better living through chemistry. Thank you, Nazzy. (laughs) Well, episode 301 was called Season of Death, and you can count on one hand how many main characters didn't die or start off dead this season. (laughs) (laughs) Wedding bells ringing, or are they? Who is that old woman? And another perfect suggestion from Claudia Black when things get left to fate. Very good. Thanks, Lucy. A wedding, a funeral, a coin flip, a farewell, a wormhole, and who the frell is this old woman? (laughs) Thank you, Mezzanine. There's a certain trend, isn't there? Yes. Oh, I like this one. Sunday, 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 come to the Leviathan burial grounds. Two Leviathan enter, only one will leave. It's the grudge match of the quadrant. Will the mystery masked Leviathan reign supreme, or will Mama Moya bring the hurt to him for dissing her son Talon? Only one way to find out this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Thank you, Black Rain. (laughs) 
<laughs> and who is that woman with the dream powder? Lies are nice, but the truth is louder. A burial place, the sacred space. Listen, wrinkles, stick to the chowder. Thank you, Rick from the Delta Quadrant, with another lovely uh, Back poet. with those limericks. Yes. Oh, we have a lot to look forward to. I've, I've already seen that Rick has contributed quite a bit to season four. Fantastic. Uh, they must have spent quite some time on that because they're, they're, they're all absolute crackers. Thank you so much. So this is season three, episode 22, Dog with Two Bones, first aired on Thursday, January 31st, 2002. Do you remember how we used to talk about, like, when these things were, were oh, coming yes. out? Yeah. It's uh, become less, imp- it seemingly it's become less important, I don't know. It, it feels like that it's, yeah, we've been going on it for quite a while now. and I mean, we are just sort of I stuck mean, in the so far back machine. Yes, and occasionally it's interesting to to still refer to when it comes back because there's something in there that you're wondering, okay, is this a cultural reference to something existing or is, it this, is this the original cultural reference or anything? Right. Which we get in the opening scene, which is very obvious because we've got it like a T-1000 John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, come on. He's, yeah. he's, he's going full Terminator in the opening shot with the, uh, the, yeah, the wedding a, gown viewing. A bridal shop where yeah. he's, he's wearing a regular leather jacket and yeah. some cunning shades. We'll get us some sunglasses, blue blockers. And he's got this hair is like done a little bit tighter to his head. It's a little bit yeah. shorter, it seems. So, yes, I've got big... Terminator vibes of him in that look. Well, until Aaron comes in and sort of goes, "Does this dress? No, this dress doesn't work. It doesn't work." And he, and he says, goes, "Oh, it does. It does. It's not and, for the wedding." <laughs> and, the, uh, and I love how the shop attendant quickly goes scurrying after them. It's like, "Oh no, we're not having <laughs> no, any of that." No, 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 <laughs> no, no, ding, ding without the wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's mostly protecting these dresses know, from the course, shenanigans. Yes, of <laughs> And we cut back and forth to this fantasy throughout the episode. Yes. Which I thought was... Wait, hold on. Ah. Yeah, there's not a lot of starbursting going on in this episode. Although, well, we do get to see uh, what uh, the Growler can do. Wow. Yes, well, talk about a hold-on maneuver. (laughs) (laughs) So there are two main plots. There's an A plot and a B plot. And the B plot is the one that matters which is a really weird structure for, for an episode. I had forgotten mm-hmm. how absolutely brilliant this episode is. Okay. I, I haven't rewatched it very often. I didn't fully remember. I, I remembered some of the highlights. I remembered the, yeah. uh, the sacred burial ground and the rogue leviathan and the sort of fantasies, but I didn't remember what an extraordinary piece of writing this is. Because like the, the, the A plot, the rogue leviathan, and yeah. the uh, attempt to bury talent and everyone going their own way, is dispensed with halfway through the episode... Yeah, a little bit later on, but yeah, something like that. And John, the, ostensibly the lead character, is completely checked out through throughout all of it. Like, he's just not paying attention. No. Just going through the motions. He is lost in his own uh, yeah. little world. And, okay, so I didn't like this episode. Whoa. Oh. Uh, what the hell? Oh, whoa. Okay. It, it irritated me tremendously. All right. Because okay, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this. We'll discuss this at at, at at great length at the time. Sure, sure, but sure. I got the feeling that I was being fucked with as a viewer. Oh dear! That it it is entirely unclear which thing what what is going on. I mean, it's not entirely unclear. Clearly, John is doing in his fantasy world, but he's with, he's being messed with with the with the weird old lady. Yeah. And the way the rest of it is cut, and especially the way it ends, makes me doubt that anything that happens in this episode is actually genuinely canonically true oh dear yeah so all right it it irritates me tremendously 
Wow. Yeah. It, right from the start? No, no, no. It's crept up on me. Okay. It's, well, and, it's, and it got sealed in towards the end. It's going to be a <laughs> weird energy this episode, so... <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of discussing about it, but I'm just saying, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm getting this out of the way. It's like the, the stuff going on with the old lady... Irritated me tremendously. I- okay, that part I'm I'm totally down with because like there's this scene between John and Chiana, and then the camera sort of pans to the left, and there's this old woman in the kitchen. Right, and I mean, Chiana, and Chiana's being very affectionate to John. It's like she's trying to like talk him into coming with her. I would love you to come with me, but you know I I gotta find my brother, and and he's in this resistance thing, and and as if I'm gonna find him hanging out with someone. Who looks like a uh, peacekeeper. She's she's also telling him why he can't come with her. She she wants it. Yeah. I think everybody has that. Everybody has two bones. They have they have two things that they want that mm. aren't compatible. Yes. And then there's this old woman cooking and talking like she's been there the whole time. Yes, and she's clearly deliberately messing around because she she occasionally says something, gets called out on it, and immediately makes it like she didn't say that at all. She's she's gaslighting people. Would you like some eager fungal chowder? Why didn't you leave with the others? Because I knew the souffle would charm you. Chowder? You said it was chowder. I can make you a chowder? Which makes me think that she is not acting in anybody's best interest. Uh-huh. I mean, she clearly presents herself as like, oh, I'm here to help you, and like, I'm helping you see the truth, and I'm yeah. helping you work through your feelings. But I am not convinced that she is acting in in everybody's best interest. What a farscape character whose motivations don't match their behavior. <laughs> right. That seems so unlikely. I mean, she, she's, like, she's literally an, gaslighting people. An, an <laughs> enigmatic, like and and, and mysterious and, and and untrustworthy character on Farscape. Right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this actress we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Melissa Jaffer, yeah. an Australian actress. She also played the Luxon Mystic. You're an hurricane. Does that justify you collapsing in fear? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, in uh, in season two. So she mm. came back for this. And Dave Elsie, as usual, just had a wonderful time designing this alien creature. Uh, and, and as he said, like, over season three, I got to do a lot of, like, very non-human things. So toward the end of the season, I actually became more, like obsessed with contorting human features, like creating right. creatures that were basically yes. humans through a fun mirror. Like she's has huge ears and her jowls are sort of slightly very jovial. Right. This, the third eye on the forehead is yeah. always tricky to do. Yes, about her suddenly appearing on the ship. It's something that we've kind of noticed in the past as well, that they don't seem to police who gets to come aboard Moya and, or stay aboard, uh, aboard Moya. Right, yeah. I mean, there might be some shenanigans involved in this particular person, but in the past, we've had, like, you know, same with uh, with Jewel and other people who have kind of, like, the, the, the Scarron was almost assumed to be staying on Moy as well until he announced that he was going to leave on the hospital ship. Yeah. You know, so they, they seem to have this open thing about, like, yeah, everybody who just happens to show up here can stay and, like... Yeah, they've with, never actually oxed anyone off the ship. No. Like, they just kill them if they're an adversary. Right. And if they give, yeah, if they gave them enough reason to do so. But they've not... Yeah, they don't seem to police anybody who, who wants to stay on Moya. It's, they don't do the thing where they get up and flap their arms and go, well... Which is the hint to... Have a little house vote on, like, is the, are they staying or are they leaving? And then go, like, I'm sorry, you didn't make the cut. You're being voted off the island. I think this is the only reason why there are still people on, on Moya. Like, if they'd, if they'd figured out at any point that they could do this, then Moya would just be empty. Voya, Fair point. Eventually, like, like, they'd vote each other off, and then <laughs> Pilot would 
quietly close the airlock behind the last person. <laughs> just Bye. move off and find some, find some new people. But yeah, like a Stark comes aboard and stays and then vanishes. It's not entirely clear what happens there, but keeps coming back. And yeah, right. same with... Uh, well, Stark is obviously, uh, yeah, welcome and... Yeah, expect expect to see. I mean, him by now we never saw him leave the first time. Like he joined at the end of season right, one, yes, and then you just wasn't there for season and two. And then he shows up again and goes like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I'm back, and uh, I've got some information." Yeah, but uh, yes, wedding, uh, one wedding and a funeral. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yes. Oh, there's a scene at the at the dressmakers when they when they have finally found one. Yes. Um, so Claudia Black made two very significant creative contributions to this episode. Mm-hmm. One of them was that she went through the costume department and found this dress, which was Katrala's dress. Oh, uh, Katrala is uh, the, b- b- the, the, princess. the princess in... Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, look at the princess. Uh. Princess Katrala, will you consent to marry me? And she like she thought there was this kind of cool idea that John would marry this dress twice. Ah, yes. All right. And it looks stunning on her. Oh yeah, as he uh, as he points out, you know, you wear this. And somebody's gonna marry you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then she tries to pay for it. She takes it to the the shopkeeper. She's got a uh, a lovely like it looked like a pantsuit kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's very business. Uh... And she hands over the credit card and says, "Target." Yeah. And John sort of stage whispers, "No, it's a ch- ch- Oh oh oh. Search it. <laughs> yes. No, charge it. And she's very rightly, like, like upset. And, like, that was humiliated. That was embarrassing. Yes. No, English is difficult, says John. Like, half the time people don't understand yeah. what I'm saying. And she's like, yes, but just, you're doing great. No, I'm not. Nobody here understands what I'm saying. This whole thrilling planet needs translator microbes. I mean, that's, that happens when you move into a new area. I mean, I guess it signifies the discomfort that fantasy uh, Aaron is having. Yeah. Which, which which comes back later, of course. I love the scene where they where she's throwing the bouquet and uh, Jewel makes it like a, sta- a stage dive for it and, <laughs> and, and triumphantly holds up the bouquet in the end. That is so in character for Jewel. <laughs> at the time, did you recognize that it was Jewel? Because you asked whether it was Tammy. Well, Macintosh. At first, you said Wynette again. Right. Yes. Not immediately. No, because in her case, it's kind of unclear that it is. It's like you put her in a regular Earth dress uh, and then, tie her hair back. Exactly. And you can't really this, tell, like, does she have the multiple widow's peaks? Right, you can't really tell from the shot. So, no, I didn't clue in that it was uh, Jewel rather than just the same actress. So I had a new thought about this episode, particularly, like, John has this fantasy that Aaron won't fit in uh, and she'll be unhappy, which yes. is sort of a... I mean, there are there are many comedy films and books about the foreign bride, mm-hmm. but it's also obviously like it's an immigrant narrative, and it's uh, yeah. yeah, it is traumatic and humiliating to be somewhere where you don't have the kind of adult ambient knowledge that you have in the place where you where you're familiar, you know, use of your language, knowledge yeah. of the culture, which he himself has experienced, of course, at least twice. Once being an American in Australia, presumably. Yeah. Which, both in the Anglosphere, but still a bit of a, a culture yeah. divide. Uh, and certainly, like, coming aboard Moya. And so, then probably again a third time when he was on, uh, what is it again, uh, John Crichton, eh? That's not the what? name Are of the saying? episode. Where he gets stuck on the planet with the Purple Pants people for six months. Mu- oh, uh, actually, that's a really cycles. good point. Jeremiah yeah. Crichton. Jeremiah Crichton, that's the one, yeah. He is the Masata. Rigel, what? He's not the Masata! Well, Hakuna Matata, Masada. 
Because he really did spend like three or six monans on that. Yeah. Yeah, half a cycle, I believe they were looking for him. Good callback, which was still in the middle of that sort of adjustment period. So he's been through it three times. There is something really interesting, and I haven't fully figured out how I feel about it, that he imagines that Aaron wouldn't be able to get over it like he did. Mm, yeah, which is interesting. Because he's, he's well, okay, maybe that suggests that he hasn't gotten over it. Possible. Right, but he yeah, I mean, still wants to return Aaron to seems Earth. to be the kind of deal-with-it person, you know. Yeah. You'd figure that she gets... I mean, she, yes, she, she would have that frustration, but and she's... And it would suck. But. And it would suck, but she would clearly be willing to uh, work at getting over this. Yeah, getting to learn... I mean, it's the first time she's learned a new language. I can't understand what he's saying. He's speaking in his species' ancient language. One sentence can carry over a hundred different facts, concepts... Emotions, far too complex for our translated microbes to interpret. Yes. We quickly learn, however, that yes, uh, it was in fact uh, Jewel, because in the next shot, John is taking off the garter belt, which ends up on uh, Rigel's eyebrows, <laughs> who is already trying to cut into the wedding cake. Which is <laughs> oh gosh, wait, hold on, hold on, you're cutting ahead, you're cutting ahead. No, well, that's, that's just the, the yeah. Only... Before no, but uh-huh. we we left them in the in the wedding shop, and after that, there's a scene with Dargo and Aaron. Uh, and she's helping him load up the growler. And she says, you know, oh, yes. you, could, you could resupply halfway through. He says, nope, I want to go straight to Macdon, who's very far away, and kill him. Because a re- actually, no, sorry. He says it's, it's not about killing Macdon, it's about getting revenge. Yes. Apparently the... Who's uh, Macdon's again? Oh, Macdon was his wife's killer. Oh, brother. right, yes. Yeah, Macdon Tao. He received uh, intelligence about Macdon's location from Bracca as part of the deal on, yeah. the, oh, on the command yes, carrier. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and apparently he's posted quite far away, so he's going yeah. off. Because the Luxons have uh, apparently a saying that's similar to the Klingon proverb, uh, yes. revenge is dis- best served, well, not cold, Immediately. But- <laughs> 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 Which is how I like my dishes served as well. Yes, hot and cooked and preferably re-microwaved halfway through to, uh, yes. <laughs> to, keep, to keep the temperature up. I was 40 years old when I learned that restaurants would do that. That oh. you could just can you sometimes? reheat this for me? Yeah, yeah. Can you warm that up? And they have an oven that's kept warm, and they pop, pop it in there. Yeah, it's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, not so fantastic for Moya. So during actually during the opening credits, we get this line of like of John going on about like going back to Earth and opening a wormhole there and going back and then but then Earth is unprepared for what's coming on and like yes, Earth would not be prepared, but he would have the wormhole technology. And the knowledge how to use it as a weapon. Mm. I'm pretty sure he could like convince people on Earth that you know this is going to be taking a little bit of work. Also, he has the wormhole technology. So if he makes his way back to Earth and yeah. leaves the uh, uncharted territories, then nobody in the uncharted territories has that wormhole technology, and Earth is still safe. So that opening line's getting a bit well, old. <laughs> okay, so it is hugely frustrating. That for this whole season, we've been listening to those those opening credits with all that suggestion. Oh, oh, they're going to Earth. He's yeah. dealing with this idea of going back to Earth. And it has not come up until until this episode. And now his big worry about returning to Earth is that his girlfriend won't be happy there. Yes. I remember being just enormously like disappointed by the end of the season. Like, oh, okay. so it was just a tease this whole time. Oh, like, yeah. Was actually, we're not going to Earth. We're not doing that. You were... Because I'd been speculating from the first moment that I saw it. Oh, seen it. okay. I never, that never registered. I mean, I never assumed that they would be going to Earth. <sighs> Lucky would, you. I mean, yes. No, uh, to me, I think that going to Earth would probably jump the shark on this series. 
Well, they have been to Earth already. Well, well not for okay, real. fantasy Earth. Fantasy Earth. Right, right. Okay. No, you know, for real. For real. If, if, if they turn this into, oh, oh, now we're dealing with Earth and we have to like deal with governments and politics uh, about space travel, and like, I think that would jump the shark on this series. Do you not remember how it felt in, uh, oh, what was the episode? A human, a human reaction. Yeah. Didn't it feel cool? Like oh. before, you knew that it was a, uh, you oh, know, totally. a, a total but, fake but out. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like if they did it for real, and it beca- the mm. series became about being on Earth and dealing with aliens, and that there would, yeah, then it would turn into an alien nation type series, and that's yeah. not what Farscape to me feels about. They might, they might, if it happens in the next season, and there might be some listeners who are now like pulling their screaming hair out into their hair, headphones, screaming, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they might be able to pull it off. But to me, it feels like if they did that, they would be leaving. Well, they would leaving what, a lot of the formula. Because it's yeah. a road show, right? That I had, too, yeah. I had this as well with like the series Supernatural. The like it's a road show. It starts off with them in a, with the two brothers in a car or yeah. in a different motel, like going to a different place, and then there was like a, a roadhouse that they visited regularly with other supernatural hunters, and then they had like a base. And as soon as they had a base, it just didn't feel like the same thing. Like show waking anymore. up in the same place, yeah. Whichever place that might uh, might be, like it's got to be it's got to be Moya out somewhere. Sort of the same with Doctor Who and the and the TARDIS. Like yes, a lot of the times the TARDIS just arrives somewhere and they get out of the TARDIS and that's it right. for the TARDIS for that yes. whole episode. But so, wow, we're going all over the place. I know. Um, Moya has travelled to the sacred burial ground, the sacred Leviathan burial ground. Mm-hmm. So apparently, like, Leviathans have, this is one of their cultural uh, expressions. Yeah, it's kind of like an elephant burial ground or, well, not, not really burial because there's not really any burial Graveyard, graveyard. Yeah. graveyard would probably even be better for this as well. Well, I'm going to say burial ground because she's transporting her son's remains. Right. Like, you bury someone else. Right. But a grave is just wherever you happen to be. Like, elephants go to the graveyard to die. Yeah. Uh, which, which probably I Leviathans assume, also yeah, do. Yeah, it seems like a reasonable thing. And But yes. So Moya feels that uh, talent should be, uh, well, I'm not going to say interned, but again, it's like they're not putting him in anywhere. So... Yeah, I mean, to us it seems weird. It seems like just, okay, he's yeah, just dropping partic- some... I mean, Rigel literally says... What the yachts is so sacred about this? This particular bit of space. Well, <laughs> that's culture for you. I know. Right? We don't know what the space looks like through through Leviathan senses. It's, it's, it's not the nebula that the uh, that the creators, uh, the, the makers, whatever, are in. It's like, that's it's a different place, right? Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I mean... Who knows about places in, in Farscape, but yeah, the, the, yeah. It, it's not supposed to be anywhere we let you recognize. And yeah, they get bumped by another Leviathan who is like, nope, don't want that. Like uh, A Leviathan who has had three of her children taken by the peacekeepers and enslaved, and she is not ha- having it that uh, Talon will be buried here because Talon, Talon is part peacekeeper. This ship is quite irrational, and as we've seen, prepared to enforce her edict. Uh, she attacks Moya, does a lot of damage right away. Absolutely incredible amount of damage that, like, no peacekeeper weapon would have been able to do that. And this is just from two Leviathans bumping into each other. It's because of her knowledge of uh, uh, Leviathan anatomy. I mean, peacekeepers should have that. Well, so what I'm getting out of this, because we've seen at least one other uh, Leviathan, Mm. so in Eat Me, and this one is clearly significantly larger than mine. Yeah, by half, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Leviathan physiology might be unique because yeah. there's also been the suggestion. I don't know if it's, if it's really in the show, but that they they sort of adapt to the needs of their of their crew. I think I think maybe like even there was a chat somewhere where it was suggested that uh, uh, like the ceilings are lower mm-hmm. in season two because they moved to a different <laughs> place, and that's like Moya realizing like oh these are some short 
Like, my inhabitants are shorter, right. and they don't need that extra clearance. It's a nice theory, but why didn't that, hasn't that happened over the previous period of time? Because, like, how long has been... Uh, they've been, like, on that ship for, like, seven or eight cycles at that point. There might It might have been least. a... a uh, uh, it was a prison ship, so there might have yeah. been a prison population with a lot of, oh, I don't know, Scarans, some, Tall you force. know, huge... Yeah, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. No, I'm just speculating here. But, yeah, so, like... The exact internal anatomy of a, of a Leviathan might not be easy to know from the outside. No, fair point. Except by another Leviathan. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely critical. This whole episode is very dark. Oh, in, yes. Like, the lighting is very low. Mm, well, yeah, Moya got damaged, and yeah. they, like, they're showing that by having everything in the dark, uh, which has uh, Jewel lighting Eren uh, as she's uh, doing some repairs. The very first scene between Jewel and Eren ever. Oh, Oh, yeah, it's not a They've never it. had a conversation before, yeah. aside from some screaming and, and, and beating. And so, like, when Jewel goes, In the short time I've known you, you've changed so much. You're meeting her now. Well, as far as we can see. <laughs> I know, but... Speaking they... of screaming, I mean, I love how Aaron... <laughs> can you melt that? With what? There's no power yet. Does a little bit of titty twisty welding on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she just ah! squeezes her in the knee. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's great. I thought, I thought that was hilarious. Um, John is still completely checked out of this uh, the drama. Yes, he's uh, he's fantasizing about the tossing of the bouquet, the drawing of the garter, which yeah, lands on Rigel's earbrow. And, like, what a player, Dargo. In a tuxedo, he looks amazing. He does look fantastic, yes. But, okay, so when it comes to John's fantasy, like, okay, there's a weird thing going on where he's, like, having this discussion with Chiana, and it goes, yeah, back and forth between now Chiana, and she looks absolutely fantastic in latex hot pants. Nah. Uh, I mean, so so, sorry, it's a a short skirt and uh, long stockings, and... Oh, damn, she looks good like that. Yeah, she uh, does. And a crop top with long sleeves. And But, yeah, that's a weird contrast between how forward and slutty and she is in John's fantasy and yeah. how different she is in the actual real-life thing. That's a really good point because this is, this is the most, like, sensitive, honest and vulnerable Chiana that there is. Mm. She's not escaping like she did in uh, uh, Taking the Stone. No. Uh, and uh, and yet in John's fantasy, she is like her regular self dialed up to 11 in probably the yeah. worst way possible. Hey, I spent some time with the boys. Think I found who the best man is. <laughs> well, why are you doing this? Why can't you just act like you always have? Fit in. Why, why do you have to sleep with all of my friends? Oh, this is such an oppressed culture. Back. Now, that might be a, a, a response to the sort of immigrant experience. Right, but it's all in John's fantasy. So yes, why exactly. is he why is he thinking that she would act like that? I guess he's that's interesting. He must not be paying attention to like who she is right now. Yeah, actually, it's, no, that's not entirely true because he's the one uh, later in the episode. Gosh, we're going to be jumping all over the place. Uh, that says to Jewel, "You have to go with Chiana." Why? Why do I have to go with Chiana? Chiana can handle. Just her. be there. <laughs> Chiana, midwife, talents, birth. She shouldn't have to bury him alone. Very good point. So he was thinking about about Chiana as this emotionally realized woman, yeah. thinking about her feelings and her and, and her needs, but that wasn't being reflected in his fantasies. Not yeah. at all. No, she was just a worse version of what she was like when they first met. I would now say there, there is a very lot in this episode, and a lot of it is 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 pretty easy to miss, which it doesn't seem like it because not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. But like knowing 
like being very familiar with the show and knowing where it's going even it gave me a lot to sort of parse here there's a there's a lot about truth and lies and running from it yes which is something that the old woman uh, says like go to the truth it calls in your own tongue and John says he ran from it mm. in, in one of his earlier fantasies. So maybe that has something to do with what we're, what we're seeing, that he's constructing these... He's trying to work out the decision whether to go to Earth and, and, and bring his friends there, whether those are compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that by examining these scenarios. But he's not being completely honest with himself. So maybe one of the aspects of dishonesty is assuming that his friends are worse versions of the people that he's come to know. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. that. That seems to make I mean, sense. Just, no, that seems to make sense. Like When you think about other people, you always imagine what the worst reaction is that they can have to any scenario that you uh, envision. And it yeah. turns out that nine, nine, nine times out of ten, it's much better than what you f- feared or managed to imagine for yourself. The yeah, thing of yourself. So that's, you know, the doom thinking. I mean, even the other, it happens the other way around. Gosh, we are going all over the place when he's imagining a conversation with Dargo while he's having a conversation with Dargo. And he says to Dargo, like, I know you're miserable here and, and you're really not collecting. And we're, he's like, Dargo's like, not miserable at all. No, that, talking to these kids, saying, yeah. hey, boys, how are they biting? Hey, and Mr. Dargo. Hey, everybody thinks you're a freak. Everyone thinks I'm a freak. Hey, boys, how are they biting? Terrible, Mr. Dargo. Can you help again? See, they don't think I'm a freak. Right? <laughs> this is these neighborhood kids that he helps with his gigantic shotgun by killing fish for them <laughs> yeah. every, every other week. And I, fi- I found that an incredibly difficult scene to parse and watch because... The con- there's two conversations happening, yep. and I could not keep them apart in my head. I think that's valid. And I think that was what also... like <laughs> What, what they were was- going for. No, totally. Because they are kind of the same conversation. Right. Right? But, but not just- entirely. Well, for, for, John, for John they are. For Dargo, they're not. No, John, that's, that's Dargo's only getting half. Exactly. Well, <laughs> but both Dargo's are only getting half. That's, that's, that's what makes it so complicated. It's- well, okay, but like one of those Dargo's is actually John. So John is getting one and a half, I know, yeah. and Dargo's only getting half. <laughs> half, yeah. Why are you so disagreeable? I'm not disagreeable. You are being disagreeable. I've got things on my mind. I am sorry. The Aaron is leaving you, but don't take it out on me. All right, let's try and go through this uh, a bit linear, because that might help right. us. Right. Like, the scene between Jewel and Aaron also introduces something that Jewel asks Aaron. When we get out of this, are you still going to look for that ex-peacekeeper unit? Just name-dropping shit. Yes, throughout out of the- nowhere, yeah. Uh, we now uh, turn into, like, yeah, helping people and policing, I guess, actually. So she's heard about this uh, unit of ex-peacekeepers who... <sighs> Keep the peace through assassination. It doesn't sound like ex-peacekeepers to me, but okay. No, that just sounds like peacekeepers under new management or peacekeepers who've like decided they're going to do their own policing racket. Or, I mean, do what you're good at. It's kind of what uh, what Aaron committed to doing at the end of The Choice. Mm. But I'm going to be a soldier. What I was bred to be. She doesn't want to be that for the, the, the peacekeepers, but maybe she can... She can create a scenario where she can believe that she's doing the right thing again, like she did with peacekeepers back in the day. Yeah, but with open eyes this time. But it's 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 like I love Jewel in this because she says, "Well, in the short time I've known you, you've changed so much. I go backwards, assassinating people. Seems like going backwards." And that's all she says. It, it's incredibly wise. She doesn't sort of hammer the point and then, you know, Aaron undermines it by uh, giving it the kneecap or the titty twist or whatever. <laughs> yes. But I think that's the kind of thing that works on, on Aaron. Uh, she takes her time. She mm-hmm. does listen. 
but like if you have something to say to her, you say it, and then you leave it to her to right. And then you give her you, basically you give her that bit of perspective that you want her to consider. Yeah. And then she'll do that, and she's the kind of person who listens and uh, won't brush that off. Yeah, yeah, because there are other kinds of people who, if you don't get them to really process what you're saying, they will push it off and and just try not to think about it. Yes, right. So you can't actually trust those people can't to really internalize. Un- yeah, people yeah. who don't want to think about uncomfortable thoughts. <laughs> Damn! I can't see. God. John goes off on a little shooting spree. Oh, yes. Because yeah, his yeah. wedding, they're having the first dance at the wedding, and in the meantime, uh, little old Miss Three Eyes is uh, talking to uh, John and whispering things in his head. And I think this is the first time where I've got written down, like, old ladies mething with John. Well, she definitely is. You see yeah. him, her, her blowing some powder into his face. Right. He's got it uh, all over his shirt. And that's when his uh, his fantasy turns sour, and you right. hear her whispering like, "Go to the truth; it calls well, to actually, you." Well, actually, actually, I actually wrote that down before that happened. Mm. I was like, I I, 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 I clued into that that fact that things was going on like at the beginning of the scene before it happened, but it it, it seemed very obvious at that point. Yeah. And that, because what he's imagining now is this lovely reception where there's, uh, I mean, Pilot is there. Yes. Uh, Although we don't know that happened. We see that oh, no, later. You're right, but, you're, yeah. right, you're right. But he starts shooting things up. Like, there's an invasion. Uh, I think this is the first time the wedding is interrupted yes. by peacekeepers. But peacekeeper soldiers start killing everyone, and he grabs his gun as if he's battling them off. No! Get out! Get out! Uh, shoots up the kitchen gets taken out by Dargo, who just basically comes walking in, like, what the, what's going on here? Hey, John, calm down. He tongue, uh, tongue lashes him out of uh, consciousness. <laughs> then actually slaps the uh, old lady, who goes like, oh, no, what's going on here? And she goes, like, not having any of that smack. <laughs> she even says, well, nothing went wrong, except... Perhaps a slight misjudgment of his weight. It won't occur again, I'm certain. So am I. <laughs> like, she just, oh, I accidentally overdosed him, but it won't happen again. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, it will not. Smack. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you ever get bored living on the same planet, never going anywhere? No, what about living in a house? It's too quiet. There's no engine noise. We'll wait till summer when the air conditioning kicks on. Then we get the scene where John is listening in on Aaron and his dad talking, where, oh, I'm miserable here and he doesn't see it, and... Yeah. Because it's one of those things where, yeah, he's not trusting her to adapt or tell, or be honest with him about that. Or, I'm going again, to be, that's his own fear. Yeah, I'm going to be charitable, and I'm going to think that the thing that he's worried about here is that he's not going to notice. That uh, he's going to be so elated at being home and having his girlfriend, fiancé, wife. Going, yes. And that he's not going to pay attention to her world like he should. Yeah. No. Maybe. No, I, I can subscribe to that theory. Which I think is a, a very valid concern for empathetic people taking such a step as, as marriage. Yeah. Like, like, that involves putting my partner in front of myself, and I want to do that, but am I capable of doing it? Am I yeah. going to make a mistake uh, accidentally? I really like Aaron and Jack talking. John has this fantasy about us having kids and dogs and the pool and barbecues. Must seem a strange culture. 
Like, she's never spoken to the actual Jack. It's always been, like, an imaginary fake Jack yeah. or uh, a hallucination. or Yeah, old alien Jack. Yeah. Yeah. But she's always been really open with him. Like, she... Ah. Because all of those... Ah, all of those incarnations of Jack have had a relationship with John. Yes. Whether he's aware of it or but not. But this is only happening in John's head anyway, so they're not actually talking. No, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so this is imaginary Aaron talking to imaginary Jack. Yep. So it's all basically, yeah, basically all we're seeing is John's thoughts, fears, hopes projected here. There's another... At least, un- oh, well, I say that, uh, but also yes. all of John's fears, hopes projected here whilst being messed with by th- Three-Eye Lady. Yes. Because we can't trust any of this to be John's actual thoughts. Well, we're given to... We see that the powder is introduced during yeah. the wedding blast scene and not before. So right. it's up to us to sort of interpret, like, are these fantasies, are they visualizations of thoughts that John was having having independently? Yeah. But the old lady has been aboard since... I mean, it's described very, very quickly that uh, they were escaping from the deteriorating... Yes, they picked up some spots and, like, the other people left and she decided to stay to repay the debt, is yeah. what she says. Uh who are you, old woman? It doesn't matter who I am. But I know who you are. You made them come back and rescue our life pod after the command carrier imploded. I'm no longer a prisoner because of you. So when the others got off, I stayed on Moya to repay the debt. I'm messing with my mind. Oh, no. No, I would never leave this on boil for so long. Would you like What did you do it? to me? And because she's no longer a prisoner. No. And she uh, she thanks John for that. Yes, that's the specific focus, because apparently off-screen, John convinced the others to pick up the pod of yeah. refugees. But there, are, but there are a lot of shots when John is out of it and she is seen whispering in his ear, which yeah. kind of implies the fact that she is, like, messing with what he's seeing. Yep. And it doesn't have to be, but I got that feeling a lot, and that's what I didn't like about this episode, is it, it makes me doubt everything, and but which means it robs meaning of everything. Because they could just as easily go in the next episode, go like, yeah, well, that didn't that was just her messing with it. So that kind of... All right. Well, let me give you some, some confidence, at least there, mm-hmm. that the next episode, like, it was already very planned. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, the season four opener, there would have been a lot of... Uh, I mean, there were deleted scenes from this episode right. that would have uh, led into the next one. So I think what you want, it's completely valid, yeah. but it's not just an asshole. Like, even if you wind up hating how it resolves, right. which is yeah. also totally fine. At least we know it wasn't, well, we'll just throw some spaghetti at the wall, and then next season, after we've had a nap, we'll come mm. back and we'll just, like, figure out whatever. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll keep that in mind, yes. Because, hey, this discussion was one that was had on the message board <laughs> as well. Like, is this, like, did they know that the season was ending? That's why I sort of brought right. it up. Right, yeah, that you know that it's, uh, uh, that they knew that it were going to be renewed. But still, it makes and it... And it was showrunner David Kemper who wrote this, yeah. uh, this episode. I mean, it might just be dissatisfaction that the resolve hasn't happened yet. But because everything is left up for, might be real, might not be real, that gives totally all valid. of those scenes, like those very powerful scenes that we have between John and Aaron, it kind of robs them of meaning until you know whether or not this is going to be I mean, resolved them, one way or the other. It makes them frustrating, yeah. right? It's not, just, yeah. it's not just robbing. But this is an interesting point because that's something that has, has also been part of the, certainly the season three Farscape formula. This 
addition of frustration. It was only... Okay, so I was doing prep for the season retrospective later on, mm-hmm. and I was reading about, like, Dave Elsie said that he had a conversation with uh, David Kemper about Joule, and David Kemper said, well, uh, in science, a Joule is a unit of heat. Energy. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. He said, a unit of heat, because that's what... Okay, whatever. But David Kemper described it as heat because that's yeah. what she what she brings. Not like I mean, obviously there's the physical hotness, like Tammy McIntosh is a beautiful young woman with fantastic outfits and she's a gymnast and all that. But like her main role is she sort of stirs the pot, gets people riled up, like arguments are created around her. Not just not just with her. Yeah, like or she, even by her. Yeah. So, yeah, well, sometimes. Sometimes, but... Sometimes. She puts people on edge, she, she, she makes people annoyed, and she exposes, through that friction, sort of conflicts between characters that maybe they just haven't settled out of boredom, right? Or out of, out of respect for one another, yes. we keep our distances. But when she's in a room, arguments... Happen. Yeah. yeah, people become more extreme versions of themselves. Well, she, yeah, she kind of has the habit of calling people out on their bullshit. Putting them that that's also, <laughs> she can be really annoying, but she's she's a very truthful mirror. Oh yeah, absolutely. So this is something that that Farscape has done a lot of the times. Like once you get so comfortable with the status quo with these these characters, it's David Kemper style. He looks for some way to disrupt it and disturb it, and. So your frustration with all these scenes, these fantastic, like these fantasies that delve into this character that you love and these relationships that you, you're really interested in, and, but he won't let you just enjoy it completely innocently. Well, that, that's actually one thing that I've got written down here. It's like, everything is going fine, everything is looking good, things are nice, therefore nobody is allowed to be happy. Well, this is television. I know, but it's like, <laughs> it's also like it. I mean, that's like for, for the first time, like they're they're clear that like it's literally said. You know, right, says Scorpius it, yeah. doesn't have a ship. We're all unhurt, healthy, and no one's trying to kill us. <laughs> it means finally we can go where we want. <laughs> we can go home. <laughs> We're going home. I'm going home. <laughs> Rachel is elated, and therefore everybody is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a scene that I really love that I'd completely forgotten about. And it's Chiana. Uh. And she goes into... Oh, I think it's the same sort of space inside Moya that maybe she... Oh, she's in- talking talking to Moya, basically. Yes. Yeah. And it's this blue-lit scene. And she talks about, you know, I asked Zan once why she got on so well with, uh, with you. And, and, and Zan said, you have to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. So she tries to be honest with Moya. She was sent there to try and convince Moya to calm down, yeah. uh, which Pilot had, had failed at. And so she says, well, I think... That you should bury tell him where every frowling water bury town, and I think that the, that the frowling trout should, should get out of a frowling way. I think you should bury your child wherever you damn well please. Right, but right? whatever she damn well pleases is at the burial ground. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, she came there to calm Moya down and, like, accept, like, maybe we should bury Talon elsewhere and be peaceful. But no, she goes, like... That's not what she feels. Fight for it, yeah. Fight the other bloody Leviathan. You deserve it. Yeah, and kick it. I think that Talon has earned being buried here. Moya feels Talon has earned the right to be buried in the sacred space. I mean, to be honest, like, why didn't they just tell that to the other Leviathan? Like, yeah, he died blowing up a command carrier. 
well. They do found out that the other Leviathan has killed at least three other Leviathans and wounded many more. Yeah, like, so she's a bit unhinged. She She's unhinged, which is why Moya asks the crew the first time, I think, that she's made a request. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very explicitly to kill her. Yeah. Like, and that's like, whoa. And the, pilot, pilot actually dances around it a bit and go like, well, she respects you and we know she, she knows that you have her back, as like, which John, I think, is, says, like, reiterates. Yeah. And therefore, it's like, she's comfortable asking you this and, like, kill her. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And every, yeah. Kill the rogue Leviathan. Yes. All right, old girl. <laughs> I mean, nobody responds. This is, this is a really great test for, like, like, Saying to someone, anything you need. Well, I need $10,000 and I need this guy dead. Ooh, wait, no, hold on. Well, yeah. That's, I meant more like a gift card or like a hug <laughs> or something. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't have any qualms about, you know, killing another Leviathan. I mean, Jewel points that out. Like, yeah. okay, this is dangerous, but you're going to take a life, Dargo. Are you sure you're okay with that? And Dargo goes, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how long have you been here? Yeah. Like, it's Tuesday. I swear I will kill you. Warrior to warrior, I vow one day I will kill you. Dargo will kill you. I will track you down and kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll have to kill you. I'll kill you. I will kill you myself. I should kill you. Look, I told you, we are not killers. Which, admittedly, is not really a great position to be in. No, but he is a warrior, you know? He was, he has killed before, he's like... I mean, when he came to to, 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 to Moya, as Azan pointed out, like... Mm, you are but a boy. And mm, Yes, but by her standards or by Luxon's standards? Oh... Oh, I think we talked about that at the time. I think she's wise enough to, or she's like, she's been around the block enough to know right. a Luxon who says he's 30, ah, still a long way to go. But, but married even, with kid, uh, you know, so I think I think it's actually more from her perspective than from a Luxon perspective. You know, huh. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell, yeah. yeah. She's a worldly woman, but she has her own perspective as well. Yes. But I mean, maybe he, she doesn't, doesn't consider uh, Luxons to be particularly emotionally mature anyway. Hmm. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, she never met an Orican. Oh no, she did. She did. They have uh, at together? that point, not yet. But well, anyway. Yeah. Darko didn't want to be a warrior. He wanted to be a farmer. Yeah. And he still does. So for him to say, you know, to sort of shrug at killing another being, I mean, it may be more about him being sort of scarred and scabbed over than actually being okay with it. Yes. Sort of like Zalax was. Come to think of it. Yeah. Okay. Makes, me kind, of think, makes me kind of think about that uh, story about, like, the, uh, I think it's Japanese, a samurai, like, who wants to be, a, also wants to be a, a warrior or a gardener, and someone at one uh-huh. point calls him out and is like, like, if you want to be a gardener, why are you always practicing uh, your sword and war? And he says, like, well, it's a lot better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> is it, though? Ooh. I mean, if it comes to the, down to the nitty-gritty, yes, I'm sure it is. But could a warrior reliably produce food? Oh, that's why I said gardener, gardener, not farmer. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, no, fair. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, they're, they're smart. 
So the team is on board and they have a plan and we don't really hear a lot about it, but that's okay. Erin has her new Prowler again, which I love that thing. Mm. I'm so glad to have it back in Moya's hangar bay. I don't know if it has a new paint job than the last one. I think it's so. the- it, it seems darker. I thought the, the other one seemed lighter, but that might have just been the, the Certainly settings. the lighting, yeah. Yeah. I thought the original one was whiter, and this one seems to be more of a black, black, red. Uh... Did it have a red racing stripe? Ooh. Oh, I don't Maybe, know. I don't like know. the red racing stripe. But yes, stripe. they are put to good use because they are going out to kill the Leviathan. They're getting the Growler out as well, and uh, yeah, Dargo has his fancy of... little visor. Two part plan. Uh, 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 <laughs> there's a fun exchange where uh, John has to go with Dargo. Which Aaron comments on, and Dargo goes, "I heard that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, getting- basically, John goes, uh, "Fly safe," and uh, no, it's the other way around. Uh, she says, "Fly safe." Well, whatever. We'll, we'll paste Here the scene. Here comes the clip. Yeah. Be careful. I don't have to fly with Dargo. I heard that. Oh, wasn't that great? Oh, now I remember yes. it. <laughs> yes, like, I'm not flying with Dargo. I heard that. <clears throat> but yeah, she says, "Like I'm, I'm in a prowler. These weapons aren't going to do more than annoy." the uh, leviathan but that works because moya manages to dodge the bigger leviathan fly actually into the sacred space yeah uh drop off talon's remains yeah. which then the uh the bigger leviathan goes uh, to try and disturb which pilot says moya plead with you not to let her disperse talon's remains commencing attack when that's when yep. uh, she dives in with the prowler shoots the leviathan oh you're to, right yes. to draw her away paving the way for Dargo to fly the the Growler with its super weapon uh, holdo maneuver type thing. Yeah, that this, was a surprise. Wasn't yeah, it? this is when that's when you get the, the the weird disjointed conversation between John and uh, Dargo. Loved this scene. I love. I, I need to watch that scene again just to try and make heads or tails of the conversation because I could not like. Yeah, it was very difficult to follow the conversation. Uh, well, so mostly, I mean, each, the gist was there, but it's like it was very hard to like catch the difference between what was being said to which Dargo oh, absolutely. in whose mind it is. And I think that would be fun to like pick that apart. Oh, to, hell to, yeah. To, to get a view of what actual Dargo actually got out of that conversation, <laughs> rather opposed to John's <laughs> view of it. <laughs> well, it seems like every time that we cut back from a bit of a Sydney Harbour yeah. uh, into, the, into the Growler, that whatever it was that John said in Sydney is sort of what Dargo in the Growler is is responding to. John is saying the same thing in both uh, realities. The question is, like, what is... Dargo is not saying the same thing, because Dargo is hearing different things. Well, maybe that means that that Sydney Dargo is really just a sort of contextualising of stuff that actual Dargo is actually saying. Maybe. But that's why you'd have to, like, try and yeah. piece it together, because actual Dargo is talking... is busy with flying the Growler and uh, attacking the other Leviathan, which... So none of the stuff that Sydney uh, Dargo says is... would make sense coming out of the mouth of actual Dargo. Yeah, I should never have come here. I should never have come to Earth. I should have left you guys on Moya. Such a simple choice. Why are you agonizing over it? Because I'm an idiot. Yeah, you are an idiot. I'm an idiot. We're all idiots, are we, boys? Yeah. Everyone's an idiot. Speaking of idiots... I was with you on that until there was... I mean, Dargo had just explained when he's got his fancy visor on that, like, I have to super concentrate, so you have to do the flying. Yeah. Oh, but I thought the controls only responded to your DNA. Oh, God, yes. Yes, that's uh, why I smeared... Oh, that's, that's why I'm wearing gloves. gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so Dargo's doing something in his visor, like, I've got to get these calculations just exactly right. But in the meantime, he's still talking to John about Aaron. You see him with his visor on, and yeah. he goes, yeah, but you're underestimating Aaron, and... So that's the 
I think that that's the whole thrust of the the, the, the conversation. This is Dargo testing John's assumptions about Aaron being unhappy and, and, and not integrating. Mm-hmm. Because Sydney Dargo... It's doing the same thing, yeah. He's like, going, what do you mean I'm, what do you, what do you mean I'm talking about? I'm, I'm loving it here. Uh, yeah, why I learned you? English. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but hey, boys, there's just some neighborhood kids that he's friends with, which is probably just the tip of the iceberg of the friends that he's made. Yeah. And he's loving this community and the food that there's there. And Yeah, while this is going on, there's actually, it's a very just disjointed situation between the, the actual fight going on outside and the scene with Rigel, uh, Chana, and Jewel, who are doing the mourning for Talon. Yeah. The, 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 the burial scene, yeah. And, like, Chana tries to say something, but... Rigel interrupts with uh, and comes out with something beautiful. Yeah, like what what Chiana was saying was was heartfelt and hurt, and she struggles to express herself. She was actually saying a lot more like valid and honest things about about who Talon actually was. Mm. And then Rigel comes in with the the, the funerary words. Yes. They are unwelcome, but they're also they're the. They're good things to say when someone's laying to rest and everyone's struggling with their emotions. Yes. He, uh... He, he wears a protector. Mm. A family. Uh, may I say a few words? He, uh, he, he was a lost soul. S- <clears throat> searching for... Talon was special. A joy to his mother and a credit to his species. Both of them. With fondness, we lay Talon offspring of Moya to rest in his sacred ground. That he was a, I, I, I loved one particular part of, of it. Like he was, he, he made his mother proud, which is obviously great. Yes. And he was a credit to his, to his race, both of them. Ah, yes. Right, because both the, the Leviathans and the Peacekeepers would have been proud of Talon. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm choking up right now. I'm just thinking, oh. uh, poor little. Okay. Um. And by now, Aaron has uh, gotten the rogue Leviathan's attention. She set him up. All right, it's up to you guys now. Yes, and what we see is the, the growler kind of phases out, or at least that's what I thought happened. I had no idea. Like, even- okay, so what I thought was happening is that the growler, the growler uh, phase shifts out of reality, mm-hmm. goes flying through the other Leviathan. I, was, I thought they were going to like maybe phase in at just the right moment, do a stupid amount of damage, phase back out again, and fly. But no, they just fly all the way through her, and then in a kind of like yeah. starburst effect, we see the entire Leviathan just dissolve from front to back. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. That is some weapon that they got there. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I remember being astonished when I saw this the first time. The, the same way they did. I didn't remember like the details. This weapon is almost incomprehensible. Because mm. you're right. Like, there is the first blast of of energy which hits the, the the rogue leviathan, but then instead of like crashing into the rogue leviathan, they sort of fly through it as if it's already dissolving or they've dissolved. Right, but there's a particular thing that leads me to believe your theory that the the growler itself sort of phases out and maybe through some kind of wave resonance. That's what I th- yeah. That's what it looks it- yeah. It looks like like it's creating some sort of bow shock wave, which just right. like dissolves the the other ship. Because when we see the exterior shot of the uh, the rogue leviathan being dissolved from from front to to tail, the tail is not yet dissolved when we see the growler flying up toward us. Yeah, so it's already passed through the tail. Exactly. Which is not dematerialized yet. So, oh. <laughs> wow! And everybody's whoa, 
that was effective. That was but awesome and terrifying. Uh, very effective. Did you get her? She's gone. <gasps> Completely. Gee. I got her. Yeah, this Oof. is some, some Lex level of... Uh, yes. Oh, that's a very good comparison, yeah. Uh, so, Crisis dealt with. I mean, that kind of kills the A-plot. Yes, and that's where Rigel gets his moment to, hey, do you know what this means? Mm. No one's trying to kill us. Yes. Scorpius that's is gone. Scene, yeah. We've all got everything we can go to war. I mean, he's even talked about previously, like, all these plans that, that, that we have, where they're going to get us killed, yes, but at least they'll get us killed on our home world. Yes. Talon rests where he belongs. Scorpius has no ship. We're all unhurt, healthy, and no one's trying to kill us. <laughs> it means finally we can go where we want. <laughs> we can go home. <laughs> We're going home. I'm going home. <laughs> So John goes back to talk to the Three-Eyed Lady, who does a weird speech about, like, oh, I'm free now, when she's, in fact, literally tied up at that point. Yes, exactly. She's tied up in the kitchen, and she thanks him from, well, before I met you, I was a prisoner, and yeah. now I'm... F- oh, okay. <laughs> Tenuous grasp on reality, that woman. Yes, or maybe, again, just gaslighting, right? which is my theory so far. Because she, she talks to him, and then she goes, oh, but I wouldn't have left this on the boil, and maybe you want this. Because earlier she was talking yeah. about, like, I'm going to make some chowder, and then it turned into a souffle. And Right, no, the other way around. But, yes, like, they, they mentioned chowder, and she's like, souffle, and they go, like, oh, I thought you were making chowder. I can make chowder. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, gaslight. I get, I get big gaslighting verbs from her. Is a chowder. Oh, it's like a, kind of like a gumbo. Right. Is that a stew? No, it's a, fi- a I think it's a fish soup uh, chowder. Clam chowder is the, the traditional one. Yeah. So I think it's a thickened so thick, thick, thick soup. I think soup it's chowder. and a stew. Okay. Well, a clowder specific, uh, clowder, a chowder specifically, I think, is thickened and has cream in it. Okay. Whereas a stew is, yeah, just, I don't think a stew is meant to have a lot of actual free liquid. Huh. I mean, it, it's kind of be like, you know, I mean, I, I would call a, a split pea soup is I'd almost called a stew, except it doesn't have enough ingredients. Yeah, but you do put a, like, a chunk of protein in it. Yeah. Which you do or don't eat, depending on... Yeah. I mean, you don't eat the, the, the sort of ham hock, but you eat the sausage. But you've also got, like, vegetable stews. Do you have vegetable chowders? I'm pretty sure you can. Like I said, I think a chowder means it's both thickened with flour and has cream in it. All right. But Have I sufficiently distracted you from whatever it was that you were saying earlier that maybe you've forgotten by the time that we get... <laughs> well, that, that, she, that lady she was gaslighting, John. No, <laughs> okay, no, 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 you remember. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's what, that, that, that's the, that was my leading theme through the entire uh, episode. Like, I mean, I, I came back yeah. to that several times. Okay, like, no, no, she is definitely fighting with him. And I've kind of expended to issue just fighting just with him or with more people as well. Right. I was just seeing John's version of this. Because uh, it's John specifically who comes to her like, hey, you showed me something right. last time and I ran from it, which was his, you know, his response was to grab his gun and and, and start not shooting. Yes. Yeah. So show me again. But and, so, yes, well, back to the wedding. Stop. 
she already had a fistful of powder yeah. this whole time. Blows into was... his face. Yeah, here we go again. Maybe she got the dose right this time. <laughs> so, yes, wedding, kissing, first dance. They get cut in. Like, everybody else starts dancing along. He's pilots dancing with the, Chi. Pilots, pilots there. there even. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, the, the, the sort of puppeteering crew talked about, like, members of every department worked together to get him up two flights of stairs. Oh, damn, yeah. That hotel was not happy with <laughs> the, the, the whole crew sort of being there. And they even mentioned, like, well, you know, Pilot, he doesn't get out much. I don't get out much. Fair so enough, yeah. for the very first time, they put squibs on him, which was the sort of, like, explosive right, like when, yes. you get a, when you get hit by a bullet in a movie. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of those in the next scene. Yeah, and it's brutal. Oh, yeah. Because Jack stands up to hold a speech, you get and shot he gets in the head. A, a little yellow bolt of light go through the head and a head wound that we see, not just a, a spark, yeah. an actual bleeding head wound. And it goes for all of them. Like the, the everyone who gets shot, it leaves a bleeding wound in the in the in the Yes, in the, in the appropriate colour, like blue for Chan. Uh, uh, oh yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, they did that. I I I love how Gigi Edgy looks in like running over the table and uh, in that blue dress. Which oh. I noticed that she must be wearing stockings because her legs are not like White. Her legs are like kind of like almost look like they've got regular human color. I can't yeah, believe that they forgot to like put makeup on her for a shot like that. Absolutely, so it has not. to be a con- conscious yes. choice that she's wearing stockings. Oh, she's wearing white gloves as well. Oh, uh, elbow oh, yes. length oh yeah, gloves. You're, you're right. So probably like yeah. matching stockings. Yeah, but showing off midriff. That too, yeah. Uh, I mean, not in this scene, in the other one where she's, oh, where that's, she's that's talking good, about that's how... A, that's I, a good look on her. I am, a, I am not a straight man, but dang. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's that gay, yeah. as the joke goes. But yes, when she talks about, oh, I went shopping. But you don't have money. Lifting. Shop lifting. Shop lifting. <laughs> yes. God, Fantastic. And making out with, with his dad. Yeah, but again, that must have been John's insecurities and... He was already going like this. Yeah, isn't right. Like, no, this. something's wrong. But uh, yeah, here at the wedding, that's what he's being confronted with. Like the peacekeepers come here. Oh yeah, Chiana's in blue now, uh, and it's uh, and it's Jewel who's in pink. Yes. Uh, versus the last wedding that John was at, oh. where Chiana wore pink. Yes. Good on her. You look great in pink. Brings out your eyes. <laughs> Uh, eventually, Aaron gets shot in the side. Of course, she gets shot in the side. And John is completely devastated. Right. Did you notice Aaron's final words to uh, to John? Uh, remind me. Don't worry about me. I've never felt better. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ooh. Now, what does that remind you of? Well, most mostly it's a contradiction of what everything that he's been fearing. Those were the dying words of the other John. Don't worry about me. I never felt better. Don't worry about me. Oh, I've right. Never felt yes, act, they actually put that in the uh, previously on uh, Farscape. Exactly. Uh, now that you mention it, yes. Huh. Are you okay, Gonzo? Great. Never felt better. Which has led to a lot of speculation about like. How would how would Moya John, how would Blackshirt John know to put those words, those dying words, into even fantasy Aaron's mouth? Oh, yes, that's a good point. Huh. Well, again, it's like it's not his his memory is own. She is messing with him. This might we we don't know how much of this is John's fears and how much is this John's fears being manipulated by someone else. Yeah, she is whispering into his ears. Right. His tiny tiny. And the same ears. goes for for Scorpius because. Scorpius shows up, and, and that oh. 
Well, then, Jeff, tell me, what did you expect? I mean, even if you even look at his expression, that's also not the way Scorpius, I think, would be looking if he was actually there being vindictive, yeah. which we have already established last episode. He is not vindictive towards John. I mean, he might be now a little bit after blowing up the command carrier, but he's like, you know, at the end he was like, why would I care about Earth? Like, Earth is only a, a means to get you to do what I want. And now that, like, that's not happening, then I, I don't, I'm not going to destroy Earth. I'm not going to go, go there just to spike you. Imagine if Scorpius did want to destroy Earth. Right. Would he tell John about it? Or would he, would, like, if he, if in his heart mm. was just the sort of rage and revenge that he pretended at the end of the first part, the two-parter, right. right? That I'll, I'll spend 60 years going to your planet. If that's actually what he wanted to do, would he want John to know it? Or would he want John to be shocked and surprised by it? Like, what would devastate John I more? I think the latter. Right? Yeah. And John knows Scorpius very well. He has a neural clone in his head right. at, the, at this point. So he must also be worrying. Like, Scorpius said he wouldn't destroy Earth. But if he wanted to devastate me by destroying Earth, that's what he would say. Yes. but To make it work. Yeah, but it's that look on Scorpius' face, which it's almost like, you know, uh, I don't, I, I, I've yeah. had a hard time like, putting words in, but it's almost whimsical, where he's just kind of like, well, well. It well, doesn't seem like someone. Expect? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem like someone right. who just got his goal of destroying John's wedding. And yeah, yeah, it's more like, what am I doing here? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, there are a lot more conversations between John and the old woman, who has been sort of present this whole time. Like he's yes. been dancing with her when he thought he was dancing with uh, right and with Aaron, instead of, and at least not shooting things up this time round. Fortunately, he managed to keep his finger off the trigger. And yes, everybody in this episode at one point at, le- go- at least goes, who is this woman? Who is that woman? And who the frill is this? Who is that woman? I thought she was with you. Who are you, old woman? Like, and <laughs> yeah. nobody seems to be... Yeah, which, I thought again, she was with you. Okay, you deal with Which her. again leads me through the theory that John isn't the only person being messed with. Mmm... Very good. Because everybody just, like, accepts that she's here. Nobody questions it. Like, I mean, it, it gets mentioned in passing, but that apparently is enough to uh, deal with it. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's like, okay, well, if you don't know, then it's clearly not important who she is. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah. Well, this ends the old woman's involvement, except for one tiny scene at the end, which yeah. is uh, kept very secret for the rest of the episode. And the rest of the episode is a hanger scene where... Okay, the, the last question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last question that the old woman posed when John explains, you know, what dog with two bones, what does that mean? Okay. Right, and he explains the story of the dog loses a bone because he wants the bone that his reflection has. And then he has nothing. Yeah. And he's just staring at himself. And she very wisely says, well, is this dog smart enough to learn? Mm. And John says, it doesn't matter. He's already lost everything. She says, no, it does matter. Right? And... If he could only have one bone, which one would he want? Yes. And John walks into the hangar where Aaron is getting ready to leave and he's got his stuff already packed. Okay, I'm going with you. That's that's That's, what he wants. Yes. He basically would realise that he wants Aaron more than he wants going back to Earth. Yeah. Yeah. But now then have Aaron to have this. <clears throat> yeah, then we get this long conversation where Aaron goes like, nope, because I don't want to lose you again, which is what it boils down to. What do you want? You. Yeah. I'm afraid it's not that easy for me. You see, you died 
I watched that happen and yet you're still alive. And even that is only part of it. Like neither of them can, they're, they're both trying so hard to be honest about their feelings, to be mm-hmm. respectful toward the other pe- person and also toward themselves. And they're failing. This is an incredible <laughs> scene. Oh, yes. And a lot of arguments were had about like how this would, would come together. This, mm. this was a long scene to film. I can imagine it took some time and there was a lot of like, okay, what if we try this and what if we try that? And then there's yeah. a lot of cutting room floor discussions as well. How are we going to cut it? And what, what are we actually going to go with? Uh, it's, it's just extraordinary. There's all these movements like Ben Browner had arguments with David Kemper about like yelling arguments about oh, wow. <laughs> where, to, where to go. I mean, by this point, like everyone on, on Farscape was so invested in their characters. Yes. Um, and of course, they have opinions on what they they think their characters should, would, and could do. Yeah, and, and and where they want them to go because they're yeah. And I mean, he managed to coax a kiss out of her. Oh, that's beautiful! Like she yeah. sort of turns away and refuses a few times, and he he doesn't close the distance until she lets him. Yeah, like he she turns away and he goes like, okay, and he won't leave around the other way. Yeah, try again and like not going yet, but. Like either you walk away, or you kiss me. Which is again, what, what the the same argument he he loses later is like, yeah, tell tell me to tell me to go away, go away, say goodbye, John, and yes, then say goodbye. We don't take goodbyes. We do this time. You see, you leave and then you come back, and I I can't handle the in between. Aaron, say goodbye. Fine. Goodbye, Crichton. John, my name is John. Goodbye, John, to my face. Yeah, oh, wow. That just occurred to me because he says, goodbye, Crichton. And he says, no, my name is John. Yeah. Because the words that she said to him the first time that he, he saw her again were, hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. <gasps> hello, John. Yes. Now say goodbye, John. Do it. Yeah. Tell and me you she don't. She can't. Oh, and they're all, and, and, and finally, like, she turns it on him. Like, if you love me, then don't make me say goodbye and don't make me stay. Right, because I, I don't want you to die in my arms again. And like, he goes like, well, well what if I don't want you to die in my arms? And but I'm going out, to, I'm leaving. That's, he that's not going to happen. He yeah. does what she wants and he walks away and she's furious and yeah. she like kicks everything over because, okay, they both realize apparently you didn't want me to walk away. So yep. guarantee um, that, uh, yeah, uh, uh, guarantee that you won't go away again. Uh, oh, it's absolutely incredible. And then they... I can't do this again. Should I can't let the one thing I love fly away in a crappy little ship. You once said it was as if the fates meant for us to be together. And I believe that. Well, then if it's true, we will be together again. Running away is not fate, Aaron. Running away is running away. Fine, you want fate. Here, I've, I've got fate. Fate, here. What? They have this coin. Yeah, I mean, he suggested it before. It's like, yeah, we'll put things to the test of fate. Like, does fate want us to be together or not? And we'll flip for it. This is Claudia Black's suggestion, like, uh, on one of the final days of of shooting. Like, she brought up this idea, what if they flip the coin? And she said very specifically, this is not about trivializing the choice for Mm -hmm. either of them. Yeah. But for either of them to make that choice, whichever direction it goes in, would hurt too much. They just don't have the emotional capability to tolerate such a painful choice. Condemning someone else to living on a planet they don't want to or or whatever, taking those risks. Yeah. They both kind of want out. They both want a choice to be made, but not by me. And I can't make the other person because I love them. Yeah. So let's just like, yeah, we don't know 
how it's going to work out one way or the other. Yeah. We can't tell that. So, yeah, we flip for it. And um, this is before the, the before the commercial break. And uh, the, clearly, yeah, that, that felt like hovers slow motion. That felt motion. like such a commercial break. Cast there. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we have like John floating around in his prowler, just musing. Sorry, yeah, in the uh, not in the prowler, in the uh, in the, in the module. module. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Same place where he started, where his mind is going back and forth, and like everybody is having a whale of a time at the party, at the wedding party. Is that still? Oh, yes, yes that's yeah, still yeah, yeah, going. Yeah. That's still going on in his yeah, mind that's at right. this point. Uh, and he's also, and for a second, it looks like Aaron's out there in her prowler and yes. saying her goodbyes. But those are his memories of her goodbyes that she already right. said. And meanwhile, on Moya, everybody else is there sitting there. Are you done yet? Are you out of fuel yet? Are you coming back? Yeah, Can we go. Come on, <laughs> like <laughs> looking at their watch. Jules still there, but we don't see anyone else. We don't see Dargo, Rigel, Chiana. Oh, yes, I hadn't noticed that. It's just Jewel in there with Pilot. Yes, I hadn't noticed that. Huh. And as yeah. as he, he says, okay, well, fine, I'm coming in, and he's just imagined the uh, the final words of, of Aaron Sun before she left. Fly safe. Goodbye, John Crichton. He sees Harvey. Yes, Harvey shows up. The human subconscious is interesting, isn't it? And I found something. Yes. The human subconscious is a fascinating place. Malleable, permeable, fallible. Harvey, you got to get your nose out of the dictionary. Guess what I found there, John. Now that your well-being is inextricably linked with, with mine, and Harvey gives him a gift that he found in John's subconscious, which is to unlock the the... Maybe memory that we've been teased with a few times of some some words that the old woman was whispering into his ear, and he gets to hear what those those words were, which is, Aaron is with child. Yes. And now suddenly sparks fly, and he goes, "Wait, hold on, wait, no, crap. we've got to, we need to go get her. We've got to find her immediately." Why couldn't you trust me? Old woman, pilot. Pass me through to Aaron. She is beyond our range, Commander. Gotta fix on her position. We're going after her. Hold on a micro. Damn it, just do it. Best. Pilot goes, that's not such a great idea. And uh, the old woman takes Jewel hostage. Right, yes. Grabs her, like, threatens to bite her ear off, which, okay. It's like, it's a threat, but it's not a very big threat. Yeah. Telling Pilot to, uh, to obey the Commander's command. Pilot, please. For the love of God, please. And uh, just as that happens, and John is trying to fly back to Moya, a wormhole pops open and sucks Moya through. Commander, step to Kaido, we've been torn. Alright. At this point, I was listening like, okay, like, at I've been fucked with too much. Uh, there's like this kind of this this, this kind of made me. I mean, talking about it like with you for the past hour has like redeemed it a little bit more towards me than the way I felt about it just after I watched it. But still, I have this like feeling of like okay, there's like there's too much fucking with going on, and we don't know how much of this is actually real, and especially Moya yeah. getting sucked through a wormhole. It's like. The fuck? Like, what kind of ass... Yeah, it's not an ass pool, but it's like, wait, yeah. what, what is this doing? Is this just still someone going, messing with John? We don't know that 
actually anything that happens to John in this episode is actually real. I want to apologize for, for my laughter. And to make it clear, that was, I am elated that this is what Farscape does because it sure did it to me back in the day. I was there. I was right no. there with you. I'm not laughing at you No, no, at of course all. not. No, no, no. I'm sharing this with you. Yeah. And I love that you have such strong feelings about it. Like, that is so great. Imagine a show where you just turn it off and like, oh, yeah, that was a fun episode and you discussed it for 10 minutes and that's it. And instead we get this. Yes, we get to talk an hour and a half about uh, Yeah. I had forgotten that there was so much to love in this episode and that there was so much to be absolutely furious about. (laughs) Yes. And we are left with John sitting in empty space, looking around, going like, well, bugger. Because he's almost out of fuel, as we just learned. Yeah, he's in his little module. There's there's nothing else around. And he's going, you have... Got to, to be, be kidding, kidding me. me. Yeah. And there's, there's a to be continued. At least, they didn't, At least there's they, that. I didn't leave that in uh, up in arms. Although there's probably been quite a few series or shows which have ended with a to be continued for there never to be a continuation. So frustrating. Yeah. Thankfully, we are spared that. We know that there's a fourth season. And, well, we're going to have to wait a while before we, before we get there. Right. Of course, as befits the end of season, we're going to have a season retrospective, mm-hmm. uh, season recap, we call them, and greatest hiatus, which, oh, I'm still working on one. We'll have to figure something out. Yes. But until we get there... She gives me a Woody. She gives you the willies. Oh, well, I, I guess the willies <laughs> should be very obvious for me. It's, the whole it, bloody thing. <laughs> and crossing your arms and going, this well, whole stinking episode. Well, it's the, it's the, fr- it's the frustration <laughs> at being unable to uh, tell which uh, what's real and what's not, which to me feels like a detriment because it, yeah. <sighs> remember that this is like the January 2002. Uh-huh. And remember the kind of TV we were watching at the time, like Buffy oh, was still Star on Galactica, the air. Wasn't it? No, Battlestar Galactica wasn't on the air yet. 2004? 2003 came the miniseries right. and 2004 the, 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 the series. So I mean, even Firefly would be later that year. Mm. So like we've talked about it before, Farscape was really the pinnacle of a, a prior era of science fiction before the sort of prestige era of television right. emerged. But also, yeah, the, also a segue into that already a little bit. Yeah, yeah. really no, presaging it. Definitely setting the stage for it. So are you Absolutely. really going to, is your really going to be the whole damn episode? No, 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 oh, not, not definitely not the whole damn episode, just the way that I, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm left with this unsatisfied feeling of like, okay, I can't trust anything that happened yeah. here actually happened. And that's like, yeah, yeah that's not a, I don't like that. I'm trying to find like a metaphor that isn't sort of overtly sexual. So I, I imagine like standing at a bus stop in, in your full ski gear, holding your skis and the goggles and everything and sweating and not knowing what the bus is taking you to. Like I've oh. been, someone, talk, someone told me to bring my skis in my ski gear and it, it's so hot. Like we're driving what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point. <laughs> Oh, and uh, Woody, Woody. Well, ooh, oh, yeah, that see. was what the metaphor I was trying to avoid. Oh, Woody's. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, oh, it's, that Woody's going to be actually tricky. There were so many... F- I mean, like, if for playing it for laughs, I would just, like, have to go for the uh, the scene between uh, Jewel and... Uh, Aaron? Aaron, yes. Where it's like, <laughs> can, you melt, uh, can you melt that for me? And it's like, I thought that was so well played. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it seems to be a thing that, like, they don't often use enough her ability to scream and melt metal you know it's you yeah. thought that would come in like handy at more opportunities than uh, well they before. probably thought that about uh, Aaron's heat delirium at first as well but then they keep going to desert planets and 
yeah, does it's not really exist anymore. Such a big problem. Because uh, actually, I'm, it's kind of annoying to ride around. I'm going to have to say that it's going to be the scene where they uh, unlock the growler's uh, potential, and we get this amazing. <gasps> Yeah. Weird attack scene on the on the ship and it, all the questions that raises and how the like okay what is this yeah. how does this work is this like something they can do regularly it's like what is it like is this a Luxon thing I mean it must be it's an old Luxon ship so right yeah like I could, and I thought that was an amazing short scene yeah oh. opening up like a lot of mysteries about what this ship is and what yes. it can do because like I don't think I think Dargo had the confidence that it could disable at least Leviathan in but, optimum but, condition. But they're but shocked about it too. They're like, oh dear, what what, what the... It just happened. Just gone. Yeah, what the frell. Oh. Okay, my willy. Ooh, ooh, it's tricky. Maybe because... No, it is kind of my... My willy is that I can't be frustrated at this episode the way that you are because I would love to feel that again, that... Oh, that cardamom in my vanilla cake, right? <laughs> that oh, cardamom goes with lemon. Yeah, but not with vanilla. I know that's what's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I can't. That I can't be riled up. No, because you know you what's coming and you know where it's going. Yes, right. It's like you, it's, you only, only get that. that on, you can only get that on the first pass. You so, only get that. <laughs> and whatever this is that you're feeling, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> my Woody's actually going to be girl talk mm. there are a lot of scenes between women here which is yeah farscape is rightly known for like reversing or upsetting gender norms as they existed in the late 90s and early 2000s and yes. gender relationships and, and all that you know the kind of bro relationship between Aaron and, uh, and Dargo is one of the one of me the best examples but not known for developing relationships between women right um, they were very few and far between and we get more scenes between women in this episode than yes. I think in the last season put together. There's Chiana and Moya. Yeah, uh, there's Chiana and, and Jewel, Jewel and Aaron. Jewel and Aaron. There's no Aaron and Chiana, I think. No, but, I don't yeah. think there there isn't. Um, no. There's, there's a bit between Chiana and the old woman whom she rejects. But, like, that's the yeah, kind Chiana's of... Yeah, Chiana's not buying whatever that old woman is selling. No, she's not dealing with that yeah. at all. <laughs> in fact, the only thing missing is... You know what? That's really missing. Aaron and Moya... Yes. Because no, there was no goodbye between that. Yeah, that's interesting. Good point. Although well, she was more about talent than Moya anyway, but still. Well, she she has communed with Moya before. When, right, like yeah. Moya asked her to name her son. Yes, good She's point. She's yeah. essentially godmother to her, her yeah. son. And like, yeah, very good point. But like, even Aaron didn't participate in Talon's burial. Which Well, she was outside in the prowler shooting at the other ship. I know, but yeah. like choosing, that was the, the, the role right. she chose. So I guess, well, no, that that is going to be, like, women, uh, girl talk yeah. uh, is something that I really, really enjoy. Yes. And that's the story, story so, so far. Farscape. Yes, please join us next week with more Tales of the Uncharted Territory, and after that, the Season 3 recap. Yep, we're going to figure out some format for that, then another fanfic, another Great greatest hiatus. hiatus. We'll figure out what that we're gonna, is. We're going to loosen this. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that as we're heading what is universally accepted as the worst season of Farscape, where we expect all of our listeners to stop listening because season four sucks. Seriously? No, of oh. course not. <laughs> okay, sorry. What are you t- why would anyone say that? <laughs> we are super looking forward to uh, embarking on this journey together. Season four, whatever it's going to bring. But 
we have a lot of cool stuff in the meantime. So you can continue to send in your synopses, contribute to our Patreon to help keep the lights on. Thank you for your contribution, Ruth. Thank you to all of our members who've been with us for a long time, who've joined recently, who have sent us messages and who've sent us synopses. Fanfic suggestions, keep them coming. Please make sure they're safe for Kay. Like, do give him a read and think, well, what if someone had only seen up to the end of season three? Would they enjoy this story? We like comedies. We like them up to about 4,000, 5,000 words. Well, maybe we'll do a two-parter. Who knows about that? Did we have any other thing? We had submit. We had the links. We had the Patreon. Yeah, I think that's soulfarscape.com slash links. And, hey, something that we haven't done in a while, but we really should be doing every episode. Our theme music was produced by Lee Collier at Lee Writes Songs. That L-E-I-G-H writes songs. And also the front woman of Give Them L, from whom I think... I think we have a, an album release to, uh, uh, in Promote. the offing. Oh, that yeah. sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think maybe you'll be hearing a lot more about that uh, the next time. Thank you again tremendously to Lee for the fantastic theme tune. Uh, so let's listen to it now. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, Scape, so, so good. good.